Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Okay, hello everybody. I am Mike Cleveland. I'm here with my brother and partner in ministry, Eric Hurt. Eric, it's so good to see you today, and I'm excited about today's podcast because we have a special guest, don't we? Uh, yes, we do, Mike. It's uh, Thank you. It's uh, really good to be here today and uh, celebrate in the the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it means to us. And, and yes, we do have a guest today. Uh, today, uh, Joss is joining us and uh, Joss, welcome. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. It's so good to be here. So good to have you. And if our listeners can't tell, Joss is farther away than either you or I are to each other. Uh, Joss is from Australia. And so we are joined together by this miracle of technology and so it's just so good to uh, see you both and to talk with you. And uh, we just look forward to how the Lord will lead our discussion today. And uh, Joss, I know you said you've studied practically every word of our passage today. That uh, Did that take you a while? <laughs> <laughs> it was a big passage, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's great the gospel goes right around the world, even to Australia. <laughs> I love, I love that. It is no respecter of persons, is it? Well, today we are actually going to begin looking at Colossians 2, and we will look at verses 8 to 11. And so let's go ahead and read that. If you guys have your Bibles available, I'm going to start at verse 8, and we can talk about this a little bit and see what the Lord will teach all of us together. So let's begin in Colossians 2 and verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. And so we see two thought uh, patterns. We see two ways that we can think, things that we can believe. One of them is hollow or empty and deceptive, and it takes us captive the other depends on Christ. Uh, Josh, just what are your thoughts as you look at this verse? And, and I know you've had experience in this. We, many of us have heard your story. And just as we look at this verse together, what comes to your mind just initially here? Well, I'm really glad that Paul said, be sure at the beginning of it. Um, you know, he's alerting us to say, look, there's a, a trap here. And it's a trap that I fell into very much so that there's two types of wisdom, there's two types of teaching, and one comes from the world and one comes from, from Scripture, from uh, godly wisdom. And so here we see a real distinction between the two things that we need to be aware of, um, be alert to, be pay attention to, that there is a difference between the two of them. And uh, we have to be very, very careful not to fall in that trap like, like I did. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I like how you say he's warning us here. 
um, because it is easy. It's easy to fall into this trap of worldly wisdom. Um, and it doesn't depend upon Christ. And there's how you know that it's worldly wisdom. He kind of gave us the key here to understand what is it that you're believing? If it doesn't depend upon Christ, then it is not of Christ, it's of the world. And so, Eric, as we look at verses 9 and 10, verse 8 talked about it being empty or hollow philosophy. What do we see contrasted with emptiness in verses 9 and 10, if you can read those? Uh, Verses 9 and 10, yes, very good. Uh, All of God lives fully in Christ, even when Christ was on, on earth. And you have a full and true life in Christ, so is who is ruler over all rulers and powers. And so uh, we have the fullness in Christ, the fullness of God living in Christ, the, the treasure, uh, the treasure of knowledge and wisdom, uh, the fullness of God right there in Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. He's the power over every ruler and every authority. And so like we saw in verse 8, Uh, And Joss uh, pointed out, be sure uh, that no one leads you away. They're trying to lead us away from uh, and into false and empty teachings rather than the fullness and the wisdom uh, and the glory that's all in Christ himself. And so uh, that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, and if you look at verse 10, it says, in Christ you have been brought to fullness. And I'd like to just have us three, as we talk together today, consider what it took on Jesus' part for us to be brought to fullness. Uh, Mm -hmm. Philippians 2 says that he emptied himself. Uh, We see that he left heaven and came to earth and divested himself, emptied himself of his glory, of his kingship. And he came down and was born in a manger. Um, And he had emptied himself of his entire glory in heaven to become a man on earth. And and as such, he went further and went to a criminal's cross. That's how low that he went in order that you might have been brought to fullness. Joss, as you look at this right now, you you have been brought to fullness. Um, How would you contrast that with the hollow and deceptive philosophy that you had experienced earlier in your life? It's, it's, it's something that is, is hard to put into words because it was such a, a miserable time. Um, having a sense of one's heart being overwhelmed with, with sin and darkness and, and despair. Um, not being able to get out from under it, the hopelessness of that, um, trying so many different things, um, climbing the performance ladders and trying to get to the top and then thinking, well, we go up one step and the next step and the next step, I'll, I'll know I'll get there, I'll get there by myself, I'll get there by my own efforts. And at the top, it's just a letdown, it's just a mirage and the hopelessness that comes and just spreads itself over you um, at the end of that is just, it's like a seesaw. You go up the seesaw and then flat, it goes down again. And uh, it was just a continual cycle of doing that in my own life, chasing things, anything that would fill my heart, 
make myself feel better, try to find a remedy, uh, an answer, a solution, anything that the world would provide to, to make me feel better, me being the centre of things. And this is how we know we're empty, right, Eric? Because we're looking in so many places. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have, it says that we have true life, like you mentioned there. And uh, in the uh, Colossians passage, uh, you have full and true life in Christ. So uh, the contrast would be that we are, we are emptied out and we have nothing and no life. And so, but when we look to Christ, when we look to what Jesus did, he was all the fullness of God dwelling in him, Mike and Joss, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, uh, become the likeness of man. He humbled himself to, to become nothing uh, and then even die on a cross for us. And it is just incredible that, that, that God loves us this much that he would be willing to come down to send his son um, who has the fullness of the father in him, but he emptied it all to die in a tree for us. Yeah, it's hard to take in. Joss, I loved how you described it. I can't put it into words. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too much for the mind to comprehend. The heart has to experience the, the overwhelming love of God. I, I think you have, have written so clearly and so often on just experiencing the fullness that the cross brings to you personally. You look at the wisdom of the world, it's hollow and deceptive. Now, doesn't that remind you of Adam and Eve in the garden? And here Satan held up the fruit, and it had an appearance of wisdom, right? Hmm. Uh, and yet it was deceptive. And, and so now we look at the cross and we see the fruit of the cross is terrible and beautiful. And there's nothing deceptive about it. It is fullness of power and fullness of love. And uh, Joss, this, this fullness now that you are experiencing, how do you relate that to the cross? In the cross is everything that we could ever need, isn't it? It's... Jesus was emptied so that we can be filled in Christ, in seeing him, we see everything that we need. We see joy, we see peace, we see forgiveness, we see acceptance. And that is what we receive when we're in Christ. And that's what fills our hearts when we've been empty, um, when we've lived a life where we've chased other things, where we've gone in every direction, been led astray, as this passage has said, led astray, pulled by a lead, as it were, gone off into other directions. And that's what Jesus has done, hasn't it? He was led away at the garden. Mm -hmm. The soldiers came and they, they said, look, where is Christ? Where is Jesus of Nazareth? And he stepped forward for us. He stepped forward and he said, I am he. And he was led away in chains and he was captive. And then he... He was then chained and taken bound from, from one high priest to another and then to Pilate and then he's led up the road to the cross and that's where we have been led to. And that's just the most marvellous thing, isn't it? We were led astray and he led us to the cross and now we're led. We're led in a triumph, triumphant procession with him at the front and that's what 
Christ has done for me. Is I was led away by the world, but he led me to the cross. And you know those words that he said, Joss, when he said, if you're looking for me, then let these, meaning his disciples, go. And you can picture him saying that on the cross. You know, Father, if it's me you're looking for, crucify me and let them go. And so there we see the gospel in a, in a very short phrase. Um, I love how you describe the fullness. I think about sometimes Jesus, it says he, he breathed his last, his spirit. Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as he gave up his spirit, uh, what happened to all who believe, Eric? <laughs> oh, man. You know, when he, when he gave up his spirit, all who believe, he imparted life into us and gave us his spirit. And, uh, you know, so we have joined with him there at the cross. Uh, we have died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. And he put a new spirit uh, in us, Mike. He breathed his last breath. And we breathed our first breath in Christ. And we began to live. And, uh, Joss, I just love how you put that, how Jesus just stepped forward. He certainly did, didn't he? Every time he has stepped uh, in the front of our wrath on the cross where he was condemned so we could escape condemnation. And he took every bit of God's wrath against sin upon himself. Boy, he certainly, certainly did step in, in, front of, uh, um, in front of our sin and in front of our shame and took it all away right there at the cross. And it's just a beautiful, uh, terrible thing to see uh, because he was bruised and beaten beyond recognition. Uh, and yet it was all uh, for the purpose of his love for us and to give us life. And it's um, almost too much to take in, like we were saying earlier. Well, this is why we are experiencing fullness. It's because at the cross, Jesus surrendered his spirit. And that spirit in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost came to all believers, is available now. Uh, maybe someone's listening and they're saying, you know what? I identify with Joss that I, too, am empty. I've looked in so many different things and places and people, and, and it's only led to, as it says in verse 8, captivity. Um, maybe you're understanding now, maybe for the first time, that you need the Spirit of God to come and live in you, and you, too, could be described then as in Christ being brought to fullness. To my, as David said, my cup overflows. Um, and, and this is the experience of, of all believers. I love the phrase, uh, Joss, do you remember where it says in, about Abraham, he died old and full? And this is what you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ and by his spirit. Let's go on to the next phrase in verse 11. This is our last verse in the New Testament. And it says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. And then look at this next phrase. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And so, uh, Eric, what does it mean that this circumcision was not performed by human hands? Well, that just means that it was a circumcision made uh, by Christ in our hearts. 
It was made internally, uh, different from that which the world offers from the outside in. This circumcision was done uh, in the heart. And what happened was uh, when Jesus was on the cross, he was circumcised. He was pierced. He was cut and he bled out of his wounds for us. And um, when we look there and we believe this cross, Mike, that he stood in our place, our, just as Jesus was cut off, uh, so is our sinful flesh cut off and discarded in Christ. And uh, this is how we receive the fullness of Christ when we are circumcised with him. And it is a wonderful thing. It's wonderful. Just as it says, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off uh, at the cross. This happened at the cross. Um, how would you describe that in, in maybe just personal terms? The whole, whole self being put off of the cross, it's, so, it's such a, um, a timely thing to say that in regard to this particular passage, you know, it says that the power of your sinful self, we were made free by, by Jesus. Um, when our cells rule our lives, when we're at the centre of things, um, our cells, uh, everything revolves around that. That's the previous life. When we come to Christ, we're in Christ, in Christ, meaning that we have received everything that he has paid his life for. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us a new belonging. He's given us um, a standing of being a new creation. We're loved. We belong. We're united. We're chosen, justified, re re redeemed. We, our whole self has changed and from one sense of I am at the centre of the world and uh, Satan is, is, is my ruler to now being in Christ and uh, having him as the centre of, of my life, um, being displaced. I am displaced, thankfully, <laughs> from him being the centre. What an absolute relief that is. And, uh, and particularly with the, the whole area of, of false te teaching and, and um, the ways of the world that is the sense of me being at the centre of everything, trying to achieve something for my own self-exaltation, for my own self-glory. Um, whereas being in Christ, what we receive at the cross, we're displaced and we uh, receive the fullness of God, the enormity of his love. Everything is in, in stellar 3D terms, isn't it? The fullness of God. There's no lack there and we receive all of him. There's nothing that he doesn't give us. There's 100%. And we just have to look up and see, don't we? Look up and see we are approved of, we are loved, we are cherished, we are forgiven. And uh, it's, it's a life which is just completely different and, 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 and just such a joy. Eric, I'm about to get up and start running around the room. I'm ready. Let's run. Uh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for that. That was, yeah, I'm ready to run, Mike. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, when, when we talk about being circumcised, we, we know what that is. It's a physical procedure where the flesh is cut off. And, and so, as Josh said, if, if you're listening today and you see really nothing but flesh, um, where the self is at the center and all decisions revolve around me, um, the three most important words to me when I was in my sin, Eric, were I, myself, and me. 
Um, But look what happened. If you can see the cross now by your eyes of faith, God has put your sin on his son and he's cut him off for you. He has literally circumcised your sin from you. He has cut off your, your guilt from you. A guilt was so heavy upon me. Eric, you know what I'm talking about? Just the heaviness of guilt? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Mike. Uh, guilt is, is, um, is something we experienced all the time, wasn't it, in our slavery to sin? And, um, you know, it just brings you down uh, and further down into the depths of darkness. And it's not something that just goes away. It's not something that someone uh, can teach you to work through or anything like that. It is part of uh, the beautiful thing, though, is it's part of the old man. And it's part of our old nature. And, um, you know, so if you're listening, this is part of the old nature. Uh, When you're crucified with Christ, your whole old nature and your old man is cut off and discarded and never to be returned again. It's over. And uh, this is a work in the heart from Christ on the cross, as Joss has pointed out. And so please, if you're listening, just look to the cross and see that Jesus took your sin from you and put it on himself so that he could give you forgiveness and righteousness and fullness of life where everything changes. Mike, not just one thing changes. The, the, the amazing thing and the miracle of the cross is when our hearts are circumcised is everything changes. Things you didn't even know. Uh, mm-hmm. Your desires, everything is going on at the same time. Your desires, you're coming up with new desires, a desire to look uh, to the one who was crucified for you. And, uh, you know, everything becomes, um, you know, you're, you're just filling up with love and you're loving others like you've never loved before. And you're seeing things more clearly. Um, and it's just, uh, you're so excited that you just want to kind of run around like we were talking about uh, when Joss was speaking, right, Mike? Hey, that's exactly right. Uh, Joss is probably running too. I, I think we're going to ask if she's still with us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, one of, one of the things I want to talk about with you guys is that when we were circumcised, our past identity as a slave of sin was also cut off. And so Paul would say something like in Romans 7, he would say, you know, when I sin, it's no longer I who do it. It is sin living in me. Now, wait, how can he say that? Uh, Because his past identity uh, was cut off. His identity is no longer in being a slave to sin. Um, Now, Joss, and you can speak to this, uh, but the world wants to convince us that we are our sin, that our identity is to be found in our sin. Once an addict, always an addict. (laughs) Right? Mm, Absolutely. What we've done wrong, what our struggles are, that's who we are because that's what we think about, isn't it? That's, That's what takes up our lives, takes up our hearts and the world would say, look, let's have a look at this. You know, let's dissect it. Let's look at it some more. Let's put some quantities around it, some data points. And I say, you've got so much of that problem. It, it happens very frequently. It, uh, it happens in these sort of contexts. Let's talk about it some more. Let's focus on it. And so no doubt we fill ourselves up with this identity of 
of, of the negative of the sin that we have um, carried like a big burden, like a rock on our, our, on our shoulders. And the world just piles into that and wants to make more of that. And so our identity is, is our struggle, whatever that is. Christ gives us a new identity. He gives us a new beginning, a new creation. It's all in him. He says, don't focus on the struggle. Don't focus on, on the things that you have had in your Egypt in times past. Look ahead. You have been set apart. Let's go forward. And I am your, your God. I am your Father. Mm. And let's go ahead and know that I, I will look after you. And this is the, the clear difference, the clear point of distinction between having our identity in the world and having our identity in Christ. We focus on ourselves, our struggle, or we focus on who God thinks is uh, who we are, what Christ has given us our identity. That's exactly right. And you mentioned that the world would have us focus on our, our slavery to sin and dissect it. Um, and all that does is keep us captive to it. Um, and there's an illustration of what you and I have been talking about today. And let's turn to it now and see this clearly illustrated before our very eyes in Joshua chapter 5. And at this point, the Israelites have come over from uh, the, the other side, right? They've crossed the Jordan River. They've come in and now... They are ready to begin uh, their life of victory, uh, taking cities, defeating Jericho, uh, defeating the enemy. But before they do that, something has to happen. And so we read in Joshua chapter 5 about how Joshua uh, circumcised the Israelites. He circumcised them at a place called Gilgal. Uh, Gilgal means to roll away. And so um, if we look at what happened, Eric, if you have that, just read in verse 9 what happened as the Israelites were circumcised there at Gilgal. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. And that's just absolutely amazing, Mike. Their identity is no longer uh, in their slavery in Egypt. Uh, God has rolled it away, and uh, they have a new identity now. And so that old past life that they were trapped in for so many years has been rolled away, and it's gone. And, and that is so important. Um, and and it's, it's interesting, the word Gilgal, it has two meanings. And the first one is to roll away. It, the word Gilgal sounds like to roll in the Hebrew. But it also has another meaning, which is to reveal. Because this word Gilgal is the root word of the word scroll, you know, like a round scroll. And so we know that in the scroll of the book, it is written about Jesus. In other words, God reveals himself uh, through this particular uh, word of Gilgal. So it means to roll away and it means to reveal. Gilgal. Isn't that an amazing word? You know, when you come to the New Testament, uh, Joss, you've got several words that have this same root word at Gilgal. 
Uh, for instance, Galilee. Uh, Galilee is a circle of cities, a circuit of cities. It's, it's round. But there's another word that is taken directly from this word, Gilgal, the very same root. And if you have John chapter 19, if you could read verses 17 and 18. Okay, got it. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Hmm. Uh, Joss, which word corresponds with Gilgal? Golgotha, isn't it? Yeah, it's a place of hell. It's where Jesus remained for us. Do you see that in, in, in Joshua 5, 8 there, that the whole nation was circumcised. They remained there in the camp, and that's where they healed. And Golgotha is our place of healing. That is the place that we received our, our healing. And Jesus remained on the cross for us. He He was gasping. He was thirsty, he was in pain, but he remained there in love. He held himself against the cross so that we would receive our healing, that we would have our sins rolled away from our backs, that our lives would be rolled away in in glorious, resplendent glory of Christ that he has done this for, for us. It, it, it was It's just amazing that all these words just connect together, isn't it? It's amazing. I feel such a load off as you were describing that. Uh, but so in, in Gilgal, then, the shame and reproach of Egypt was rolled away. Um, it was illustrating the circumcision that we had at the cross. And so, you guys, as we look together at the cross right now, help our listeners understand what was rolled away at the cross. Of course, we know sin and guilt. What are some other things at the cross that was rolled away from everyone who believes? Well, your old man was rolled away. Your, your, um, your old nature uh, was rolled away. Your old identity, uh, your slavery to sin, uh, the misery that you've been in for so long, it w- that was all rolled away uh, at the cross. And uh, so, Again, if you're listening, do you see the dynamics here of the old and uh, the Gilgal is pointing forward uh, to Golgotha, uh, where Jesus became sin for you, and he was raised up for you to draw you to him and to draw you out of your Egypt, which is your slavery to sin of any kind. It doesn't matter what sin it might be. Uh, Jesus came to set us free. He came to set captives free. And he said that if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Well, where did this happen? Right here, friends, at exactly what we're studying today. And so when you look to the cross, uh, you'll see that everything was rolled away in Christ. You were circumcised there. Uh, Your flesh was discarded there. You're old man. You're a new creation in Christ, as Joss said. And this is how you get filled with the fullness of life. And this is how you begin to live It's not about being led astray by philosophies of this world. And it's about working from the inside out, from the heart, and in a new creation. So just look to the cross now, friend, and be free. 
Yeah, the, the sin was cut off. Our guilt and shame were cut off and rolled away. The wrath of God was cut off of us, uh, was, was rolled away from us. Our punishment for sin was cut off and rolled away. Eric, as you said, our old self or our past life was cut off and rolled away. Our identity as a slave was cut off and rolled away. We can no longer say, I identify as a, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. We are, no. our past identity has been cut off and rolled away from us. And so that's the first meaning of the word Gilgal. The second is, it's the place of revelation. Uh, and, and Joss, as you were describing the cross right there, what do you see? How does God reveal himself to you at the cross? What is he revealing there? Mm. He, he's, he's revealing himself as the son of God. He's reveal, revealing himself to me as the person who is the healer, the, the person who rolls away my old life, my Egyptian past, so that we are now belonging to him as, a, as, a, as his precious, cherished child. Um, he rolls away and reveals himself as one who approves of us, who accepts us, the reproach that uh, the Israelites uh, were so heavy on them as they they wandered through the, the desert. They were lost. They were they were they were had the reproach of Egypt upon them that they were scorn and they had contempt, and they held that before them. All that, those wanderings, they forever were saying, my sin is upon me, my sin is upon me, the re reproach of being disapproved of and being disappointed. And that's that's a wondrous thing to have that rolled off your back, isn't it, at, at Golgotha, at the cross, where we are now approved of, we are now seen as, as favoured, we are now seen as always in Christ, that uh, God sees us in Christ and does not see Reproach. He does not see us as people that are less than. He sees us as full, as we said before. We are full in him. There's an enormity um, of love, an enormity that we are given at fullness in Christ. Amen. And think about this for a minute. Joss, I love that. That just ministered to me so much. Um. But if you look at the cross, uh, you're going to see that you're a sinner. Um, there's no question about that. Jesus died. Um, you know, if, if we were really good people mm -hmm. at heart, um, God would have sent a teacher um, to instruct us how to be better. But he sent a Savior who died. Um, but not only do you see that you're a sinner, you see that God loves you. Yes. Oh, my word. Look at what he did. God became man and became filled, just absolutely overloaded with your sin. And he was crushed and pushed down because of your guilt and your sin. Why? Because God loves you. And that's why Paul could say, that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live the life I live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So you see that God loves you. You also see that you're redeemed. That means he bought you back uh, and that you're rescued, that he entered your darkness in order to rescue you out of it and that you are justified before a holy God. You, the one who sees yourself as a sinner, you're justified. God has declared you right with himself because of what Jesus did. And you are free from condemnation. Joss, doesn't it feel wonderful to be free from condemnation? It's, it's the, the biggest thing in my life to have that rolled away. Yeah, to, to know that you don't have that constant thought and conversation in your mind that says, my sin is ever before me. Our sin is now on Jesus. <laughs> That's where and we don't have, we don't have to, to go back to Egypt. We now say, look, that's where my sin is. You know that lovely passage that I've often mentioned, I think it's in Jeremiah 50, um, 20. Um, God was looking for sin. God was looking for the guilt. And he, he looked into our hearts and he said, I can't find it. It's gone. <laughs> and that's the sin that I have, you know, that uh, it's not, I know that God knows it's not there. Jesus has stepped in front of us and he has taken all of that. He, he was bait. He was the target for us and, uh, and took it all in him at the cross. And so now we just have to look at him. We just have to study him, don't we, and see what he has done for us. And there we see. There we see him loving us, loving us into wholeness, loving us into that, that no condemnation, no reproach. <laughs> and so you can see then the cross is the place of revelation. Uh, it's not just the place where all of our sin and reproach and shame and guilt and all of our old man was cut off and rolled away. It's where God has revealed himself to man. Um, and I, I, I love that if you want to know God, come to the cross, uh, because that's where he will reveal himself to you. Right, Eric? Oh, that's right. Yes. We see the fullness of, of God in every aspect there at the cross, don't we? We see the fullness of his love. Uh, and like you said, Mike, and it's just amazing that he would love us sinners uh, and love us who were enemies. We see uh, the fullness of his wrath poured out on Jesus Christ for us. Uh, he was condemned and rejected so that we can escape and be accepted. And I think that's what a lot of people have a hard time with, that they can be loved so much mm. that they would be invited in and welcomed because, you know, we just don't feel accepted. We don't feel loved. Uh, and, and um, so we do, we do see the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. We see what it means to be humble. Um, and we see every answer there as we talk about it, setting captives free. And you're right, Mike, we do. We see the revelation of God himself there on the cross. And it is just marvelous in our eyes, uh, sometimes without words. Uh, we can't put it into words, as Joss said earlier. It's so difficult sometimes. Uh, but to experience this love, to experience the fact that, that Jesus stood, Jesus became our shield on the cross and took every ounce of sin ever committed into his body. 
Um, and when you look there and you see this and you begin to experience the love that he pours out to you into your heart, it fills you to overflowing for sure. And you know, this is what these podcasts are all about. It does. It does indeed. And um, Josh, as we come to a close just now, uh, I am quite sure that somebody has been touched by what you have said here today. I know I have. <laughs> I know Eric has. Amen. Um, can you, for just a, a minute here, speak directly to someone who is experiencing the first part of what we talked about, the emptiness, the deception, the hollowness of, of worldly wisdom, the captivity that brings, and just help them to look at the cross and invite them in. Yeah. Oh, oh look, I, I would say to that one person or those many people are listening that there is hope. There, there's only one message that I'd like to give, which is run to the cross and don't stop. With your struggles, look up and see Jesus. Share your heart with him. Ask him to show you your heart and ask him to show you his loving and accepting heart for you. You might be feeling that there is too much of reproach on you, just like the Israelites. You might be feeling that the, uh, the weight is too much, but it's not too much for Jesus. He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. He carried every burden. He carried every sin, past, present and future. Nothing is too heavy for him. So put the struggles onto him. Show him your heart and look up and see Jesus' eyes filling you with compassion. Look up and see his love that is never-ending, that is full, that is complete, as that we've been saying, uh, as he reaches out his arms to embrace you and hold you. Look up and see, and see his wounds of love, the wounds in his hands, the wound in his side, the wounds in his feet, the ribbons of skin on his back. Don't be afraid of these at the cross. See these as wounds of love. See them as pure love that brought you freedom, brought you your eternity with God, brought you into a joyful and peaceful life of no reproach. I'd say just run as fast as you can to the cross and there you'll find every solution, the solution to all your troubles. And with that, Eric, we will say amen. Amen, yes. And we're going to run one more time. <laughs> This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.